Michelle Mills has a brand new release, His Human Surrogate, and it's live. It's the second book in her Monsters Love Curvy Girl series. So if you loved His Human Nanny, you're going to need His Human Surrogate. Here's the book bio that I think Michelle Mills wrote specifically to fuck with me. I'm house-sitting for a male who had me impregnated at a med lab. Berglamir, my secret crush, that rich, scary devil, outbid everyone at the virtual auction and got himself to the top of the list pissing off a lot of other Hirokin and gulp, I'm a surrogate. Now I'm carrying Burglamere's baby, but I have my head on straight about this. I'm doing this for my friend so he can be a father because that's all we are, friends. But I have a shameful secret I've told no one. I wish his baby was mine and I love that fire-breathing Hirokin with all my heart. If only he felt the same way. Author's note, this story is more enjoyable if read directly after the first book in the series, His Human Nanny. You heard it here, ladies. Go grab His Human Surrogate by Michelle Mills today and get your alien romance fix. Did you love the book Thick by Alexa Riley? Then get ready, lady listeners, because we got the follow-up, Stuffed. Ember works as a cocktail waitress because she's desperate for the money, but when she's offered more in the VIP lounge, there are things that she won't do for cash, right? A bachelor party in Vegas is the last place Rogue wants to be, but when the cute cocktail waitress gives him sass, there's no way he can turn down the challenge. Getting her alone is only a matter of money, but how much will it take? Warning, can something so hot and fast really turn into a happily ever after? Grab Stuffed and see if he can make it fit. (laughs) That's Stuffed coming this Friday, September 4th, and we'll see you ladies in just a second. Hey, lady listeners. What's up, lady DJs? It's Friday. Do you guys notice how nice my hair has been lately? Yeah. Okay. I'm just so going to say, I yeah, had... <laughs> I think it was in the ponytail <laughs> last week. <laughs> sorry. I meant today. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, I, so, okay. So for like the last eight years, <laughs> eight years, seven or eight years yeah. or something, I've been saying like, I don't know, my hair just doesn't straighten well. Like it's always still frizzy or it's always just like still wavy. Like it never straightens well. Well, I've had the same hair straightener for 15 years. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Do you think I correlated those two? <laughs> no, I didn't. No. I went to Ulta and I bought a new hair straightener what kind? for like forty dollars. Oh, it's okay. That's all right. What kind did you get? I don't. I don't. Just oh, whatever. It's like Con okay. Air or yeah, sure. But it was the cheapest one they had, mm-hmm. and it's still a thousand times better than the one I. <laughs> I know, and I can't believe the difference. Like. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. Well, and, you know, I bought I've, – I've gone through several, and I know your pain about, like, I'm just going to use it because I have the same $5 Conair curling iron for the past 15 years because it still works and does the job. But I bought a really nice straightener one time. It was it's like a Chi or something like that. It was like 100 bucks, And it's amazing the difference it makes. <laughs> like, it really is. There is a difference between a $10 straightener and a $100 straightener. Like, mine just, I'd still have the old one had it not just stopped working. Like, it just actually had boiled Oh, wow. Like it day. gave up. But it would, like, creak. Like, <laughs> I even, and it's like, it's like my brain wouldn't, didn't, like, process the fact that it was 
a piece of shit. I just was like, well, this is the only straightener I'm allowed to Yeah, have. like that, the, the one tool you're using to straighten your hair might not be the best one. So <laughs> it was funny you mentioned hair. I did a hair tutorial for Mel last night. So she was talking about doing um like a bun or something on the top. And I was like, let me show you what the I did. The perfect top knot. The perfect top knot. That was it. And so, um, but it like the one she sent me, it looked like the video would work, but it looked like you needed like, was it three scrunchies, I think, or a ponytail holder and two, two scrunchies? Two, two scrunchies and a ponytail holder. I and did Bobby that pins. one because I didn't have that. Yeah. Thing. Did it work? And it worked. Uh-huh. I would, I'd be curious to try all of that. So apparently you put it up in the scrunchie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. I don't know. And I slept in this. I slept in oh, it. Oh, wow. And I didn't do anything this morning. That's really <laughs> it's cute. Still, it's still going strong. Yeah. So it's like you put it up in a ponytail, really high ponytail, and then you put a scrunchie over that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you put no the scrunchie is the okay. First so you do a scrunchie, and which is weird because a big scrunchie. Yeah, like I don't know if mine would hold that, but you do a big one. You have really thick hair. Yeah, you do a big one, and then you do a little one up on top of that, and then you do like let your hair waterfall, and then you put one over it or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I was watching the thing, and I was like, it makes it look like your hair is really full. Yeah, like really thick. And my hair is only comes to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an interesting tutorial. She sent it to me last night. I was like, let me tell you what I do with my girls. And I've done it with mine, too. But it's that little thing that looks like a donut that's like a mesh bun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I put that in Hallie's hair like every single day because it's just easy in the morning. And she's like, I want a bun. And I'm like, all right, I know it'll stay all day, too. So that looks simpler. <laughs> I'm going to grab one. But I'd already gotten that. Other yeah, show. yeah. So I was like, I'll do this. <laughs> you should look because I think. No, what does your button say that you're wearing? Oh, sorry. I forgot I had it on. It says, your mask means I can't read your lips. Please be patient. Uh, oh, that's right. I saw you posted up a bunch of those. That's really cool. Yeah. I've had a lot of problems hearing people, even with my hearing aids in and stuff, because I read lips a lot of times. And with the mask, I technically don't have to wear a mask. I'm actually opted out. And if you're with me, you don't have to wear a mask. Oh, because they're considered like your person? Because they're, I'm supposed to be able to read lips. Yeah. So you get, you don't have to, but I still wear a mask. But people seem to get frustrated with me sometimes, so I can just kind of go like this, and they're like, "Oh, it's crazy how nice people change." Really? Like, yes, they're like, they'll see it, and they're like, "Oh." <laughs> that makes me feel better about people at least. I know. That, like once they like see that, then they change their, you know, instead of just being like. I think that's like, such oh. a great idea though, to have a button that says that. Like I just wouldn't have well, thought of it. Me neither. I was just complaining about it to my friend Celia, and then they just came in the mail. That's so that nice. Even I am having a hard, I'm having a really hard time understanding people too. So I can imagine what it's like for you because just even with like a regular, like yeah, being able to hear like normally, like I, I'm, I still have to like kind of go. Wait, can you repeat that? It's because you rely on reading lips more than you realize. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, and you, you did that for so long, even before you had your hearing aids. So yeah, I, I'm pretty good at it. I didn't realize how good I was at reading lips until my doctor was like, "All right, let's watch this," and we did it. <laughs> okay, so my six year old is having an issue right now. So she watches this show, and it's called Ladybug and something else. It's a cartoon on Netflix. If you're a Netflix owner subscriber with a six year old, you know this show. So anyway, so there's a boy on the show, and he's a superhero, and his name's Cat Noir, and he dresses in all black. He's got sandy blonde hair and beautiful blue eyes, and she's in love with him. <laughs> and so 
But there's a dilemma now because she's been in love with him for several weeks. And she had a very serious talk with me about it that she came in my office and she's like, I just want you to know we're in love. We got married. And I was like, <laughs> That's so wait a minute. I wasn't at the wedding. And she's like, no, we eloped. We got married. You're going to have to deal with it. Like she said this to me. So yesterday she comes in my office. She is such a serious. I don't know if I can get through this. She has the most serious look on her face. And she's like, I have something to tell you. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I'm in love with Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, no. She's like, he's my boyfriend. And Cat Noir is my husband. And I said, honey, that doesn't work. I said, you can't have a boyfriend and a husband. I said, you can have two boyfriends. That's fine. I said, but you can't have a boyfriend and a husband. She's like, it is what it is. Wait, so and then it, I can see the Sonic the Hedge. He has a certain he's really fun. Like, she said he's fun. She said he's fun to run with. She said we run around <laughs> a lot. We're both really fast. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot in common with the same speed. <laughs> like, what do I do with this? And then she tells me they're both going to stay the night. Where can they sleep? So what is it? Like, so where's she- is she just playing imaginary? Like, um, she. This is all put to pretend. Th- it, this is. I don't know if this is pretend, but this is all definitely in her head. There's not really a person here. I know, but like, <laughs> is she just, is she just like pretending that they're there? Yes. She's pretending they're here. They're staying the night. She was like, and so she asked me to talk to Sonic the Hedgehog. So she brought him in here. And I mentioned when I was talking to him, I realized she was standing right outside my office door. And I was like, look, Sonic, I said, I know there's been some beef with you and Cat Noir. And she came in. She was like, Mom, don't embarrass me. <laughs> she has a really good imagination. She is. And then oh she told me that, like, she was like, you can't talk about Cat Noir in front of Sonic. She's like, that makes him uncomfortable. <laughs> and then she asked them to stay the night. And I told, and I swear to God, she brought all of this shit to me. I'm not making this up. And then she tells me, she was like, well, I want them to stay the night. I'm like, well, they can't stay in your room. And she's like, well, where are we going to put them? Like, like this is a real problem last night at bedtime. Where are they going to go? In the pantry with the dog. I know, right? <laughs> call back. Call back to season oh four. Oh, my God. Call back. Call back. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's been that's been a lot of, lot of heartache in this house the past couple of days is that she's in love with, with Sonic the Hedgehog, but she doesn't want to be unfaithful to Cat Noir. I just don't know. Like, it's such, like, this is a romance book writing itself right now. One of them is eventually going to propose an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's going to have to pick. Well, you know, she's just got so much in common with Sonic. They're both fast. They're both fast. She was like, we're both really fast. We like to run. I mean, can Cat Noir run as fast as she can? No, but he's got dreamy eyes. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a toss-up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like. Sonic does have those really skinny legs, Mm -hmm. though. (laughs) <laughs> and the giant shoes. You know what, though? If she doesn't grow up and become a romance author, I'm going to be really sad. <laughs> because this, this shit is good. This is solid gold right now. I should be taking solid notes. Gold. Mackenzie, I think, has a thing for blondes as well. Oh, really? Well, it's blue she, and blonde, so get ready. <laughs> she Because the other day we were watching um, the last season of Henry Danger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you guys watch Henry Danger, mm-hmm. right? No. It's on Disney? Um, It's on TV. Oh, okay. No. And um, it's about a teen, it's about like a superhero. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of watched this kid grow from mm-hmm. like age 12 to now he's like 20 mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's the final season. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there's a really hot 
like our age guy yeah. on it called Captain Man as well. So anyways, we were like, oh, I wonder, let, like, let's go and look at, she goes, can we look at their Instagrams and see what they look like in real life? And so, yeah. And then just so, so I started like, she, like looking at the people from Henry Danger mm-hmm. and stuff. And then she goes, uh, what about uh, Hudson from Game Shakers? Ooh. <laughs> we're just all of a sudden to start looking up, boys. was like the, the like super um, like airhead blonde guy <laughs> with the bad <laughs> laugh. Um, and so I was like, oh, uh, so I didn't say I just like looked him up and I handed her the phone. I was like, I guess I'm facilitating. Yeah, this. you are. That's okay. Yeah. She likes blonde though. Oh my God. I liked, hey, I liked Zach. I like Zach from Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah. First, one of my first crushes. Didn't you have a crush on him? Or were you a Slater girl? Mm, I might have been too old for that. I don't know. I, I liked it, but I didn't really have crushes on him. So I, a, I, I like the Jonathan show. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh. Yes. And Andrew oh. Keegan. Andrew. Yeah. I met Andrew Keegan. Did I tell you that? Wait, he was someone that was in Camp Nowhere, right? Yes. Maybe yes. we did talk about this. You met him, though? And. Andrew Keegan was what was water skiing at this boat at this at the same lagoon where I was water skiing one day. Oh wow, that's so weird. And my dad like embarrassed. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, like, of course. He's like, come meet my daughter, and you know, like at the time, you're like, you think, oh, he's he, you don't you don't realize he's like so much older than yeah. you until he's standing in front of you, and then you're like a little girl like looking up uh-huh. at an older person. So he was just nice. And, Sweet. And then from then on, you wanted older men. <laughs> yeah, that's where it all started. I don't know. I'm trying to think about, like, as a crush who I thought was really cute. I don't even know. Like, I'd, I'd really have to rack my brain about it. I don't know if, like, I, like, my, like, sexual attraction just didn't kick in until later in life or something. But I don't really recall a lot of, like, super crushy moments like that until I was, like, in maybe high school. I don't know. Yeah. My vagina was was late, late spring chicken or something. I don't know, whatever you call that, late bloomer. Okay, guys. Um, I have two recommend. Wait, have you guys read anything good this week? Oh shit, I had something, but oh no, I downloaded it. Do what? I did. I have a I downloaded Kerrigan's uh, Highlander series because they're not in audio, and I'm really pissed about that. So everybody's been telling me how great these books are, and I've like put them off because I wanted to read um, Midnight Sun. And so I finished that, and then I read an Aurora Rose book, and I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to, um, not Karen, Cresley Cole. I went, I was ready to go back to Cresley Cole. And when I did, I was pissed off that they're not in audio, but it's her highlighters. I know, because they're through her publisher, and all her other ones have, like, 15 of the, the, like, Immortals After Dark have the audios, but those didn't. So, but I downloaded the ebook, and I'm just going to suck it up and read it, because I know I'll love it. The series is great, all three books. And actually, I feel like each book gets better, which yeah, doesn't happen a lot often. Yeah, when it keeps going in a trilogy like that. Because I remember you even said you were like, the last book with the green cover, you're like, that's the best one. I remember. Like, oh. I haven't read it in like seven years. And I was like, it's got a green cover. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to read that. So I have that next on deck. Awesome. What about you, Mel? I read um, His Princess by Stacey Gale. Usually her books are really long, but she put out an, um, a short one because I guess people were interested in a side couple. And I just randomly seen it and I read it and it was fun. It was only like 130 pages and he like sees her and he's like, well, that's mine. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> and he just goes up to her and he just pursues her the whole time. And then he fucks up. He like says something that's dick. 
<laughs> and his grovel is just uh, like when he was doing this dick moment when they were having this fight I was like oh this is gonna be good <laughs> I was like keep right in your mouth motherfucker <laughs> that's my favorite uh-huh. and then, I'm like and then going make he, it worse yeah. he came in with that grovel man he did good he came uh-huh. back around I was like yes this is a Great grovel. I uh, know. I love it when an author can bring it back and it feels so real. And she and did. And it wasn't like a fuck up that you're like, this is over. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It was like, it was dick, what he said. But, and it wasn't, there was no other women drama, other men drama. It was just him pursuing her. Yeah. And he's like super rich, but a kid from the streets that built his life up. And he's been looking for like his princess. She was like, you just think I'm a princess. And he's like, well, when you grow up in the slums and you see all these people, you're like, you want, it's kind of, we have our fairy tales too. Oh, like, that's so sweet. And then, but at the end, he's like, oh, I don't want to give it away. Never mind. Okay. Don't, don't. Wait, what was it called again? Um, His Princess by Stacey Gale. That's oh, awesome. That yeah. Good. That does sound really good. It was just really light and easy, and I enjoyed the two hours, three hours. I read it. Yeah. What about you, Tessa? You got anything you're reading? I will. I yeah. I I did. I am reading something, but I also watched this documentary on Netflix called The Speed Cubers. Oh, is that the Rubik's Cube thing? Yeah. Holy shit! Hold on, before you tell us, real quick, we have a discovery place in Charlotte, and two years ago, Kevin and I went in there on a random day. It was like during the week or something. We didn't have the kids, and they had a Rubik's Cube exhibit. There was a mom there with five. Five boys. She had five boys. And they were all, they had a Rubik's Cube wall where you could go up and take one down. And all five boys were done, done, done. And they were going through and doing it. And I was like, what is happening? And she was like, they're all really into it. She was like, we drove all the way from like Mississippi or some shit to come see this. And I was like, what? So t- it's amazing when you realize like that there's this whole world out there. You're not yes. Aware so when you when you, I saw yeah. the previews for that, I was like, Kevin, we gotta watch that. They're probably all on there. All of them are probably on the show. <laughs> so tell me, what is it about? So it's like, so there are these giant competitions. You know, like they're called they're called like the worlds. Like they, it's people competing from Germany and America and like China and just they all come to one place to compete. And there's like two or there's like actually five competitions and there's like the five by five Rubik's Cube, there's the four by four, the three by three. And they solve these three by three, like their normal looking Rubik's Cube, they solve them in under six seconds. How? It's a formula, I think. Seconds. There's there's patterns, yeah. apparently, which I didn't know. It's like so what they do is they take like the the lid off, you have like ten seconds to examine it. And then you can kind of discern what the patterns are that you need to cre- do to create layers of color. Yeah. And it's just something that some people can see better than others. Yeah, it's how they're um, ge- geometrically, how their yeah. mind works. And so this particular documentary follows these two uh, speed cubers who are known as the best in the world. And one is this Australian guy um, who is kind of like a legend in the community, even though he's only like 26 or something. Yeah. And then there's this uh, other kid from the United States who is autistic. And his parents um, noticed that he had this fascination with Rubik's Cubes as a child and that he was like starting to display like um, like positive, uh, just like it was help. It was basically helping him a lot, like to mm-hmm. have this thing to solve and focus on. And he is, I mean, so he became friends with this Australian guy who's a legend. Holy shit. And the relationship between these two boys is the the whole documentary. Aww. It's 
beautiful. And this documentary is only 40 minutes. Oh, wow. That's really really fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it will make you feel so good. Like the way that this Australian guy, so the the kid, um, damn it, I should have looked at their names, but the American boy with autism really like kind of looks up to the other guy, even though he's better. He beats all the guy's records. And this, the guy's still like, you know, they're, they just have this friendship that is, it's like nothing I've ever seen. That's so sweet. Yeah. I'll definitely watch that. I find that fascinating, but I've seen it to where, um, to like when I watch, I mean, Kevin and I probably stood there for 30 minutes and watched these five kids, these five boys line up and do it. And they would, and because they were all mixed up all, and they were on this huge wall, it was part of the exhibit. There was probably a hundred of them on the wall and they would just go up and grab one. And then they would look at it. Like you said, they would examine it and then they would put their fingers in a certain place. And then their brothers would match up to, they would stand next to each other and they go, go and then they do that and then they put it back and then they go they do that again where they put their fingers in the right spots and they go go and then they just put it back and it was it was insane like watching them do it it was so cool i didn't i had no idea like you said this whole like underground world of (laughs) it's so bizarre i mean but like you know they are all these people kids that do this are like this big family and they all support each other and it's just one of those it's one of those documentaries that it just leaves you really feeling positive about people. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I started reading this book called Untamed by Glennon Doyle, and I didn't know anything about her, Glennon Doyle, but this is kind of crazy. So she was, this is a really fascinating story. So she was like this mommy blogger, Christian mommy blogger, yeah. right? She wrote a, a book, got famous, like wrote this really best-selling book about having like this ideal family and how to have it and how to have it all. And mm-hmm. like, and then immediately found out that her husband had been cheating on her since they got married. <gasps> no. Yes. So she, um, this woman, like this really like driven type A woman, um, she's also kind of, she's also got an addiction problem. Um, so anyway, she she goes to marriage therapy with this man and she's trying to get it back together. She's trying to pull the marriage back together. And, um, she just like is having a really hard time. So she goes to a book conference and she's sitting there. She feels out of place and in walks Abby Wambach, <laughs> the, the like captain of the U S women's soccer team. And she goes, I, that's her. I mean, she like falls in love with her on the spot. I feel like I've heard this or something. Like, keep going, though. Maybe it's because when the when the soccer thing was big, when the women were competing, maybe I heard it then. But I think Abby, I think, went over and kissed her in the audience at the last. Oh, OK. Games. Maybe that was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just had this, like, amazing connection, like, mm-hmm. right off the bat. And um, she's it, it's like. It's crazy because this is a woman who like, kind of is known for this one thing, but she's not. She's not one thing. She's not a, just a Christian or just a mother or just a um, like a lifestyle blogger or she's whatever she wants to be. She's like has just ripped these labels off and just kind of and that's why the book is called Untamed. It's kind of like she is like refusing to be put into categories. She's like, I am wilder than this. I'm, I have bigger ideas than this and I'm just going to let them out like no one's going to tame me. And uh, it's it's really good. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I don't read a lot of like I don't read a lot of biographies and I don't read a lot of self help books. And I'm not taking away like every bit of it as gospel, Mm -hmm. but there's been some of it that I've taken away for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like I've I've maybe I've heard like about this book, 
because it was about, I remember hearing about like a woman who had written this book and then ended up like meeting another woman and falling in love. And, and it was sort of like, oh no, this is, this, that's not who I am anymore. I feel like I had heard something about that, but I have heard of this book before. I think maybe even somebody in headquarters mentioned it. Maybe. I can't remember. It's been everywhere. And then Adele, and then Adele recommended it on Instagram last week. That might be where you saw it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And okay, let me just share one passage that I read. Um, this is a what this is what a woman said to her one day in a meeting at Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. She said, uh, "I just want to tell you something that somebody told me in the beginning. It's okay to feel all of the stuff you're feeling. You're just becoming human again. You're not doing life wrong. You're doing it right. If there's any secret you're missing, it's that doing it right is just really hard." Feeling all your feelings is hard, but that's what they're for. Feelings are for feeling all of them, even the hard ones. The secret is that you're you're doing it right and that doing it right hurts sometimes. I just really like that. I like that too. That's nice. But um, I think if you're like a woman and you feel like you need to, maybe you're looking to, I don't know, look outside yourself or maybe reinvent yourself or make some changes, it's a good book to read. I'm only 100 pages in, but I'm enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I really liked um, when I read that book a while back called Atomic Habits, and I know I talked about it on here. I think it was a couple of seasons ago, but um, but there was a lot of it that um, I just sort of was like, oh, okay, that's interesting, but you know, I didn't take it with me. But there's a couple of things that really stuck out that you know, in in the habit and keeping track and accountability and that kind of thing and control and. You know, there was a lot of it that I took away from it. And I'm, I'm really glad I read it, even though like 100% of that book didn't apply to me. So I do feel like, you know, maybe it's, you know, kind of this way for this book now that you're reading, you know, maybe there's like pieces of it that will resonate with you, you know? Yeah, there's a lot that's about God and about Christianity. And, um, you know, like that doesn't necessarily resonate with me, but um, she has a way of talking about it that's like, um, you have your own version of this. It's it, maybe it's not God. It's something else. And I like that. I like that about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Tracy Lauren. We played the first half of, um, a bride worth fighting for on Monday. So we're going to play the second half now. And then when you, we come back, we'll tell you about her alien instinct, uh, sorry, or a book called alien instinct, which is the first one in her alien, uh, alien series. So stick around. And enjoy. Bye. Bye. Chapter 8 Evie The bed is heaven. I could sleep right here for the rest of my life. Unfortunately, noises coming from somewhere in the house startle me awake. And I sit upright in the bed, clutching white sheets against my chest. My heart races as I take in my surroundings and remember where I am. Seraph's house my own room at Seraph's house. Golden light slips in the window from behind a soft curtain. I look over at the chair I propped against the door. It's still securely in place. As far as I can tell, Seraph didn't try to get in during the night. I'm in a safe room, in a comfortable bed. I was fed real food last night, and I haven't had any sexual advances forced upon me. I want to stay with Seraph. Forever and ever even if he does want to fuck me at some point. He's handsome for an alien. Nice, too. It wouldn't be so bad. And I definitely do not want to go back to the Mockin' ship, nor do I want to be kept in a cell only to be treated like I'm both goods and services to make a profit from. The sounds that woke me began to register. And they are coming from the kitchen. Someone's making breakfast. 
I get another shot of adrenaline as a plan forms in my mind. I need to give Seraph a reason to keep me. I jump out of bed, hopelessly trying to straighten my dress. I slept in it last night, not wanting Seraph to come in, find me naked, and assume he had some kind of invitation. Across from my borrowed bed is a dresser with a mirror above it. Hurriedly, I run my fingers through my hair, making a bit of progress. It's the best I can do. Then I pull the chair away from the door and rush out to the kitchen. Sheriff's broad, shirtless back is bent over the sink. Good morning, I say cheerily. Seraph turns, greeting me with a smile. You're up. I get a peek at what he's doing. Dishes. I'll get those. I take the wash rag out of his hand and offer him a smile. Seraph's brows draw down. I can get that, Evie. No, please let me. I love to do this kind of thing. I hit Seraph with another wide smile, but he only laughs at me. <laughs> no one loves washing dishes. Well, he's got me there. I'll do them just the same. I'm happy to put in work. The look on Seraph's face is quizzical as I dry the dish. He shrugs it off, though, and retrieves some fruit from the bowl. I watch him as he begins to slice it. I can get that. I edge Seraph away from the counter and take the paring knife he was working with. Is there any special way you'd like me to cut this? I'd like you to sit down and let me finish making breakfast, he tells me. I'm doing this wrong, I fret. Maybe I can make you some coffee, or whatever it is that aliens drink with their breakfast. There's seta in the pot. I follow his gaze to the steaming carafe. Mugs. I've got to find mugs. I start opening and shutting all the cupboards, but Seraph is quick to still my hands. What are you doing? He asks, his tone gentle. I put a bright smile on my face. I want to help, as a thank you. You needn't thank me for anything, Evie. I shake my head. I am grateful for the room, for the food, for you not raping me. Seraph recoils at the suggestion. Not that we can't have sex, I hurry to say. His eyes grow wide. I mean, you should get something out of this arrangement for helping me. I want you to know I'm really grateful. Grateful enough to fuck me? I shift on my feet. I mean, if that's what you want. Sheriff's expression grows dark. If Umbrin laid a hand on you, I need you to tell me right now, Evie. I shake my head. No, no, he didn't. He was just keeping me for this, I guess, as a prize or whatever. Seraph lets out a sigh and his shoulders visibly relax. Sit down. Breakfast is almost ready. I feel like Seraph's words are a trick of some kind. He isn't going to let me do work around here? But if I don't, he'll end up resenting me and want to give me away. I can't let that happen. Things are good here. I feel safe and comfortable. If he won't let me help in the kitchen, I'll have to think of something else. He said I was his bride. Maybe he's waiting for me to act like it? I take a deep breath, stealing myself, then advance on Seraph, feeling every bit a gladiator myself. His expression is confused, until I reach up and grab him by the shirt collar, tugging him down toward me. I plant a kiss on his lips, and my alien keeper sucks in a breath. Our kiss. It's nothing like I expected. I imagined it would be cold and empty, 
a tool in my effort to please him. But I'm shocked. Seraph's breath is cool and fresh, and when his lips play against mine, it's like I can sense every emotion playing out inside him. First there's a quiet surprise, then desire. His arms wrap around my waist, pulling me flush against him, and I gasp at how good this feels. One of Seraph's hands digs into my hair, and I relish the sensation, wanting to get lost in it. Feeling this is a thousand times better than all the awful emotions I've had over the past week. Hell, hooking up with Seraph suddenly doesn't seem like a burden at all. My gladiator pulls away, and I miss the feel of his kiss. Still, he holds me tight, looking into my eyes. Oh, he probably wants me to step it up. I consider my options. Maybe we start with a hand job? He's into things? I reach down between us, my fingers finding the bulge in his pants. Seraph hisses, grabbing my wrist and pulling back. What's gotten into you this morning? I want to show you how grateful I am. Seraph drops my wrist and rears back. I'm sorry, what? I just thought I could do this for you in return for... I don't really know how to finish my sentence. Evie, are you trying to exchange sexual favors for your place here? I mean, I wouldn't word it exactly like that. But I should be compensating you for food in the room. Seraph looks utterly aghast. Is that how it's done in your world? Well, not for me. But it happens, I guess. Not here. Not in my home. I wring my hands. I owe you, Seraph. You don't owe me anything. I frown, knowing damn well that isn't true. I need to feel like this is fair, an even exchange. You've yet to suggest an even exchange, Seraph counters, keeping his distance from me. I offered to clean. I don't need you to be my servant. He did say bride, though. And if a wife isn't about sex, she's about... Partners, then? A team? We do the work around here together? Seraph sighs and looks me over. I mean, what else do you want me to do? You really want to be my partner? I want to ask, do you really want me to be your bride? But I bite my tongue and nod instead. How can I help? If you want to work, Evie, there are plenty of things you can help with around here. Good. That sounds perfect. I finally locate two mugs and pour Seraph and me some of the steaming liquid that was in the carafe he pointed out. Seraph called it seta, but it looks like tea to me. I set his cup out for him as he puts fruit and some type of flat bread on plates for each of us. I remember where he keeps the chopstick utensils and hurry to set our places at the table. <laughs> Teamwork, I say brightly. The look he gives me is, well, it's fairly charming. For an alien, that is. I could get used to teamwork. Me too. Good, because after breakfast, you're coming to work with me. I'm excited to help, truly. Sheriff chuckles and takes a sip of his seta, seeming to enjoy it. We'll see how you feel by the end of the day. That makes me nervous. What is it you do? Many things, but mostly I'm a farmer. I love farming. I have absolutely no experience with farm work. 
Is that so? Well, I'll be a quick study. Relax, Evie. I appreciate help, but I'm happy to simply have your company. Seraph's tone seems sincere. I chew on my lip, nervous to trust this alien on a real level. I'm not in this for trust, though. I'm in it for survival. I just want this guy to like me enough to keep me safe and not send me back to the Machin. So if it's company he wants, I'm going to be the best I can be. Chapter 9 Evie They're digging a hole. I stand in the shade watching Seraph and another farmer. Or I try to watch them at least. The hole's pretty deep at this point, causing my plan to be utterly charming to fall flat. There really isn't much I can do to lend a hand, and it's not like I have lemonade to offer these alien boys. I huff and lean against a tree. Seraph's sweating up a storm, as is the other iridescent guy. As the day wears on, both of them seem to tint a darker shade of purple. It's arbitrary on the other farmer, but on Seraph I find it intriguing. He climbs out of the hole, hoisting himself up on the side. Dirt sticks and smears across his sweat-covered chest. It's warm out, but not that hot. He's got no business being so wet. Seraph gives me a broad smile as he grabs a pickaxe and makes like he's about to jump back into the hole again. Aren't I supposed to be helping? I call, eager to earn my keep. What kind of husband would put his bride to work on their honeymoon? The other alien teases. Seraph nods in agreement. Relax, Evie. Enjoy the shade. Then he's out of sight. The pickaxe swings up into the air before he brings it back down again. I cross my arms over my chest, nervous about this title he's given me, but even more nervous to question it. When Seraph and I arrived at this dusty little plot of land, he introduced me as his bride. I didn't argue, but I'm very much on the fence. I mean, I've chosen Seraph. I want to stay with him. I just wonder what it really means to be his wife. I'm lost in thought on the subject when I hear a voice shout hello in English. I snap my gaze toward the road and I'm nearly leveled with what I see. There's a human woman with a half-alien baby on her hip and a reptilian man walking at her side. My knees threaten to give out. The reptile man kisses her after dropping a large jug of water near the base of the tree, then joins Seraph and the other farmer. All the while, I stare slack-jawed at the woman. She's blonde. She looks to be about my age, and most notably, she's smiling. Hi, welcome to IPOC, she tells me, her tone bubbly. Hi, it's all I can think to say. I want to ask her if we're safe, if we should work together to run away. What's her story and how did she get here? I want to ask her a million things, but the baby fusses drawing my attention. I'm Purity, she tells me, giving her child snuggles. Evie, how are you doing? I look over at the men and lower my voice. Honestly, scared. Purity nods, eyes full of sympathy. It's okay now. You're safe here. You're with friends. I give her a tight smile, but she sees my reluctance. I'm sure it will take a while to learn to trust these guys, but I promise you, they'll earn every bit of it. I hope so. I toe the ground. I promise. So, you and Seraph, huh? 
Um, I don't know, I guess. I look back over at the alien guys, but they're deep in their work. Can I ask you some questions about all this? Of course. Anything you need, anytime. Whether it's conversation or a cup of sugar, you can come to me and Faith both. Thanks. I give Purity a tentative smile as she bounces the baby on her hip. She seems honest. Trustworthy. You're happy here? I couldn't be happier. I have Hero, our family is growing, and Epoch is safe. Safety. That's all that matters, isn't it? Well, safety is important. But having a family, people to care for you out here, that's the most important thing. I couldn't have gotten through this without Hero. She nods toward her lizard man of a husband, and I stare at him for a long time, still feeling scared and unsure. There are already rumors about you and Seraph, Purity tells me, her voice turning into a whisper. Rumors? My brows furrow. People are saying he's taken you as his bride? I shrug. I guess I've heard that rumor too, but to be honest, I'm not really sure what it means. I won't pretend to be an expert on it. Hero isn't iridescent, so he doesn't follow those customs. But from what I understand, Seraph's people don't really date. They pick a person to be married to, try it out for a few weeks, and if it works, they stay together forever. If it doesn't, they go their separate ways. I gasp. I can't have Seraph go a separate way. I need his protection. How do I make it work? Purity laughs. Same way you make it work on Earth, I guess. Fall in love. I swallow hard. Seraph has been nice and all, but I really don't think that's going to be possible. Can you tell me about him? Seraph? What's there to know besides the fact he's a total badass? Yeah, I saw him fight yesterday. I grimace. That's not really my thing. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are upset about that, including Seraph. What do you mean? Seraph's been trying to get the gladiator fights out of the solar system for a while now. He volunteered to fight yesterday. Purity wags her eyebrows at me. Yeah, I wonder why. I blink. Why? The kind blonde woman's smile grows. Because of you, silly. Did you think he just let you rot? I guess I don't really know. Seraph would never leave you behind. He's one of the good ones. Does he rescue many women then? You're the first I've ever seen. And uh, what about brides? Has he had many of those? Purity lowers her voice even more and leans in, her expression utterly delighted. Never. From what I hear, Seraph hasn't ever taken a bride, even though it's super common for his people. Oh. I look over toward the alien men. They're out of the hole again, looking perturbed over whatever it is they'd been working on. Both the farmer and hero, Purity's husband, seem pretty scary to me. I would be scared of Seraph too, but after spending the night in his home, I'm not. What's he like? Seraph? He's a man with many layers. What makes you say that? I mean, look at him. And I do. He's got rippling muscles, a dirty, sweaty body, and his purple hair remains a mess no matter how many times he runs his fingers through it. Dusty pants hang low on his hips, daring a girl not to stare. 
and the spikes along his jaw and forearms instill the fact that he's as alien as they come. He's, uh, quite the farmer. He's the leader of the whole solar system. What do you mean? Seraph. He's like the president. Only not just of the country, of about a dozen planets and moons. He told me he's a farmer. Yeah, well, that too. I mean, I think that's all he really wants to be, but some people are just born to lead, you know? He was also the top fighter in the arena here. But like I said, Seraph's trying to bring that to an end. Why? Because people like us get kidnapped and have our lives stolen. I swallow hard and look into Purity's eyes. There's sadness there. Sure, she's happy with her family and life now, that's plain to see. But she also knows what it's like to be stolen, just like me. Seraph isn't going to let that happen here. She tugs her baby a little tighter. I'm telling you, he's one of the good ones. Well, that settles it. I don't know about all this president of the solar system business, but Seraph isn't down with slavery and he puts himself at risk just to save me. That touches me in a deep way. I focus on the water jug Purity's husband brought. Is this for everyone? Sure is, help yourself. Thanks. I fill the ladle and step out of the shade, catching Seraph's eyes as I approach. My goal is to say something friendly, a simple, are you thirsty? But there's something in his gaze that has my voice catching in my throat. If Seraph were just a regular man on Earth, he'd be stunning. Tall, strong, handsome. And I'd probably be too shy to talk to him there, too. Preservation, I remind myself. But for the first time since my abduction, I consider the possibility that there might be more out here than just survival. Seraph places his hand over mine and leans in for a sip. You're hot, I mumble, and my words have me blushing despite the fact that he likely took them literally, opposed to me calling him hot as in hot stuff. I manage a smile and hurry back to Purity's side beneath the shade tree, and I think she must be my friend now, because she's grinning at me in a way that has me avoiding her gaze. So, you and Seraph. Chapter 10 Seraph. My eyes are on Evie as I strap my leather wrist guards on. Something about her seems different. Last night she was cautious and full of doubt, understandably so. And this morning she was ingratiating. Again, an understandable reaction to the newness of our arrangement, but truly not a necessary one at all. Now she grows flush whenever our eyes meet which isn't nearly as often as I'd like, considering she's suddenly trying to keep her gaze locked on anything but me. Have a good talk with Purity? Evie nods. I didn't think I'd ever see another human again. That's a sad thing. It makes me want to pull her into my arms and comfort her. I don't know what it is about this little human, but the drive to care for her has been instantaneous. My brows furrow and I take her hand in mine. Evie's cheeks flush yet again. I think life on the human world is not so different from Epoch. Evie cocks a brow at me. I don't know about that. From what I know about faith and purity, and the way they are with their husbands, I believe we're more alike than you think. When it comes to partnerships, that is. Whether there are humans here or not, you'll never be alone, Evie. 
Not as long as we're together. Her cheeks tent an even darker shade. You don't even know me. I'd like to, I tell her. And it seems every cell in my body agrees. I feel drawn to Evie, like a magnet. I want to hold her, kiss her, and cherish her always. All she has to do is let me. I bring her wrist to my nose and inhale her scent. Perhaps it's something in her pheromones awakening a primitive drive in me. My bride holds my gaze. I think I'd like to get to know you too. Joy swells in my chest. Tell me, what would a husband and wife do if they wanted to get to know each other better on your world? Oh, well, they'd know each other before they got married, but I think that's beside the point. Um, I guess they date, do fun things together, share quality time. What kind of dates do you enjoy? On Earth, dinner and a movie is the standard, but I don't remember seeing any movie theaters around here. Both of us eye our surroundings. There are rolling hills, property lines marked by fences my neighbors and I built with our own hands, and the failed well we worked to dig all morning on Rowan's fields. I can't say I know what a movie theater is, but I'm not familiar with any around here. Evie gives me a shy smile and it warms my heart. No, but we could still do dinner. Of course we will have dinner, little wife. You are far too small as it is. I smell her wrist again, wishing I could taste it. Evie squirms. I mean, we could cook together. Like a team? Yeah, like a team. Those sunset eyes of hers look almost happy. And if it's teamwork she enjoys, I think I'm ready to drop to my knees and vow to always work at her side. Together, then. I lift Evie by her waist, placing her on Ollie's back. The animal flaps its useless wings and I climb up behind my wife. It feels good to have her in my arms like this. It makes me want to lean in and breathe the enthralling scent of her hair. But I remain a gentleman. I might be crass in every other aspect of life, but when it comes to my bride, I find myself striving for more. I'm still wet from my shower when I join Evie in the kitchen. No shirts on Epoch? She asks, eyeing my chest. Not if it keeps you looking at me like that. I tease, causing Evie to blush. It's hot here for my kind. That's why I cut my hair short. The custom on my homeworld is to keep it quite long. Evie's lips part as she watches me run my fingers through it. I enjoy the attention. Why do you pick this place, then? Why not choose a planet that's got a more comfortable climate? I take my bride by the hips and turn her so she can see the view from the window above the sink. I landed in this spot years ago, and the moment I stepped off my ship, this is what I saw. I knew then I would make this land mine. Edie looks over her shoulder at me. Make any snap decisions then? My bride's lips are soft pink against milky flesh, and the way they part feels like an invitation. It's easy to make a decision when you know what you want, even if it affects the rest of your life. Those are the choices I'm always most sure about, Evie, in case you had any question about that. We should cook, she tells me, but her eyes never leave mine. I'd like to nuzzle against her, and if I knew that she chose me as well, I would in an instant. But Evie has not decided yet. What's on the menu? 
she snorts. Like I know, I'm just smelling random things and slicing them up. I assess her ingredients and have no complaints to make. Any plan? Fry it? Grill it? She shrugs. You tell me. You slice and I'll grill. Teamwork, she says happily. And I cannot resist. I lean in and plant a kiss on her temple, like I have seen Hero do to his bride a thousand times before. My people do not kiss. They nuzzle. But if my human likes kissing, I will learn to kiss. Evie grows still, but then that lovely blush creeps up her cheeks and she cannot hide her smile as she takes another vegetable from the bowl on the counter. We make a good team. I show my bride where I keep my spices and cooking oils, and she lets me know which she finds most palatable. I could see us doing this every night, together sharing the simple things. It's wonderful. And it isn't until we're seated at the table, side by side, that I finally make a grave mistake. Chapter 11 Seraph Evie is regaling me with the wonders of the fork while I laugh, enjoying how animated she can be. She's not afraid any longer, nor is she trying to please me. She's just being herself, and I couldn't ask for more. How spicy is too spicy? I raise a brow at her as I watch her dip a bite of food in Tenderic. <laughs> She's trying to kill me. I'll have to call a doctor if you eat that. She laughs brazenly. Wanna make a bet? On your life? Never. No one's going to die from a little hot sauce, Seraph. Let's see who can handle the most heat. You say this to the male you watch sweat all day. If you're scared, you don't have to play. She pretends she's going to put the tender it covered vegetable into her mouth. Scared? What would I be scared of? And that I'm tougher than you, Evie teases. I want to lick her playful smile, but instead I join in the game. Tougher? Did you miss the fight I won last night? Casually, I lift my arms over my head as if stretching, but I use it as an opportunity to flex. I am not subtle, though, and Evie bursts out laughing. So strong, but my taste buds are stronger. She opens her mouth to finally take that bite, but I grab her hand and pluck the food from her grip with my teeth. Evie squeals with laughter, her mouth in an O as she watches me grimace. Oh, water, water. She scrambles to pass me my cup. Already I can feel sweat on my brow, but it's worth it to see my bride so happy. I love her like this, easygoing and filled with joy. She forces the cup to my lips. Tenderic is terrible, but I make a mental note to buy another bottle for her next time I'm in town. For one precious moment we're laughing, together, her hands covering mine. And that's when everything goes to hell. Evie's wrists rub the pheromone spikes along my forearms, and her laughter falls away. I jump to my feet, sending my chair sliding across the kitchen floor. Fuck me, Evie, are you okay? Her cheeks instantly flush, but not in that sweet, shy way. This is something different. She blinks, her eyes heavy-lidded. I want to rush to her side, but I think distance might be best. Evie seems to disagree. Seraph. She breathes out my name, rising to her feet and reaching for me. I leap back against the counter. Evie, I have to explain something to you, and it's going to take every bit of your attention. Oh, 
I'm going to give you all my attention, Seraph. Shit. Evie, see these spikes here on my wrists? And your jaw, she says, licking her lips as she reaches for my face. I sidestep her. Evie, these are pheromone producers. If you come in contact with them, they can make you act unlike yourself. I like yourself. Just look at all those ridiculous muscles, she giggles, reaching for me once more. I hurry to get the table between us. You seem to be having a reaction to my pheromones. I think you should take a seat and have a sip of water, or maybe a cold shower might be prudent. Great idea. Let's take a shower, she agrees, and promptly begins removing her clothes. Evie, stop this right now, I warn, but her dress is coming off and I'm shielding my eyes as her breasts bounce free. It's my second mistake, because she uses the opportunity to close the distance between us. Seraph, her hands trail up my arms enticingly. We should do what husbands and wives do. Teamwork? Evie lets out an excited gasp. I've never come at the same time as someone else. Let's try it. By the goddesses, Evie. Get a hold of yourself or you're going to have regrets in the morning. How could I regret banging a guy like you? She asks. I mean, look at this body. Her nails scrape down my abdomen and my cock grows hard. Still, I have to resist. When this happens, I want it to be Evie's choice. I want her to respond to my pheromones because she begs for it, not by accident. Seraph, she's practically whimpering as her hands go to my belt. Help me get these off. It's hot in here, aren't you hot? I let out a groan. Drink some water, I insist grabbing a glass from the table and shoving it into her hands. She fits her thigh between my legs and starts rubbing. I suck in a breath as she dutifully drinks her water, her eyes never leaving mine. When she's done, she drops the glass loudly on the table. Okay, now, take off your pants. Her hands are on my cock, stroking it through my trousers, and I have to grab her wrist to restrain her. Evie isn't taking no for an answer, and she melts against my body. I am not taking off my pants, Evie. You need to focus. Get a hold of yourself. The only thing I want to hold is you and your cock. Please, Seraph, give me just a little taste. She begs, nuzzling the spines along my jaw. Damn it! I try to rear back, but Evie gives herself a second dose of my pheromones, I've never seen anyone hit so hard before. You're going to be upset when this wears off, I warn, but my breath is coming out ragged as she grinds her knee between my legs. I'm going to regret it if you don't bend me over this table and fuck me right now, Seraph. Come on, make me your bride. Isn't that what you want? I scowl at Evie. This is not the way I envision things. These aren't the words I wanted her to speak. I want love and affection. I want her to tell me she's choosing me like I've chosen her. So I pick her up and toss her over my shoulder. This little human is getting a shower, whether she likes it or not. Chapter 12 Seraph This is such a good idea, Evie thrills, her hands skating over my body as I adjust the water temperature. 
I growl in frustration each time she skims over my cock. We'll get you naked, lathered up, and you can rub your cock between my tits. Have you ever done that before? I haven't, but I've seen it in a porno. Jeez, I am so wet right now. Her hand steals between her legs and I can see her fingering her folds. You should feel this, Seraph. I take a steadying breath and wrap my arms around her. Oh yes, here we go, Evie exclaims, just before I dunk the both of us under a stream of ice-cold water. She lets out a shocked scream, and I clench my teeth as water sluices down her body. Seraph, this is freezing. Wordlessly, I hold her under the spray and my bride struggles against me. Her wriggling is enough to drive me mad with lust, and I try to keep my gaze locked on the ceiling. It isn't long until her movements find a rhythm, and I realize she's grinding her pussy against my thigh, working toward her release. Stop it, Evie. She bites her lip and her breath hitches. I've never wanted anyone so badly in my life. Do you know how sexy you are, Seraph? You're going to regret this once my pheromones wear off. Never. She pants, rolling her hips. It makes me think of how sexy she would look riding my cock. I want you to feel how wet you make me, she urges. My cock throbs, but I won't touch her. Not like this. That doesn't stop her from the frantic movement she's making against my thigh, however. Soon she's moaning, throwing her head back and digging her nails into me. It takes every ounce of my restraint to not push her up against the wall and fuck her. But it's simply not the way I want her first time to be. I want to make love to my bride. She's orgasmed against my thigh, but Evie's still in the throes of passion when I turn the shower off. My bride refuses to be calm and I have to restrain her wrist to keep her from touching me. I'll let you sleep in my bed if you promise to stop this madness. Oh, hell yeah, let's do that. Fine, I growl, taking her to my room. She needs to sleep this off. I'm about to toss her onto the bed, but I immediately notice a problem. My trousers are soaked. I can't sleep like this. Evie, I must undress. It's about time. If I undress, can you control yourself? Evie narrows her eyes, but she already knows my stance. I'll let you undress if you promise to spoon me. What is spoon you? Man, you guys don't know anything about utensils. Spooning is when we cuddle in bed on our sides. You go behind me and you have to hug me all night. No penetration? Evie grins. I mean, it's not necessary for spooning, but... No penetration. I will agree to spoon you if you allow me to get out of these clothes. Evie thinks it over. Okay, that sounds like a win-win. I release my bride and she drops down onto the bed, only to immediately spread her legs and flash her pussy at me. I clench my eyes shut and take deep, calming breaths while Evie laughs at me. I must be terrible at seduction, she complains. I don't bother arguing. I don't want her to know how much power she has over me. I've been on the verge of breaking all evening. It's all I can do to hold it together now while she's in my bed. I tear off my pants and throw a blanket over Evie's body before horridly wrapping her in a hug. She moans but settles in beside me. Luckily, I don't have to restrain myself for long. Soon, Evie is snoring. Chapter 13 Evie I wake up in Seraph's arms, 
and other than the blanket that's been thrown over me, I'm completely nude. The events of last night come filtering back in. I cringe. I acted like a horny drunk. It's utterly humiliating. And Seraph, Seraph didn't want anything to do with me. My heart drops and I wonder if he's changed his mind about this whole bride thing. I slap my hands over my face and the alien holding me groans as he wakes, squeezing me a little tighter and smelling my hair. How are you feeling, my little bride? His words melt me. I expected rejection, and instead he offers me love or something like it. Embarrassed, I admit. Seraph laughs and I elbow him. Are you making fun of me? Never, he promises, his voice raspy with sleep. I bet money he hasn't even opened his eyes yet. You didn't want to have sex with me. Seraph scoffs, but his answer is in the way he grinds his hips forward. A gasp as his hard cock presses against my ass. I can feel myself getting wet again as I roll over to face him. Why didn't you fuck me last night? I told you. I didn't want to take advantage. When we make love, I want it to be because you chose me. Like I've chosen you. I look into Seraph's amethyst eyes. He's so handsome. So sincere and I consider the possibility that fate has been working for me this whole time. What if this is the man I'm meant to be with, in that forever kind of way? Can I choose to never leave this bed? Seraph gives me a sleepy smile. Do not tease me, wife. But no part of me is teasing. Carefully, I pull the covers away and climb on top of Seraph. He rolls onto his back, looking up at me with furrowed brows. I do choose you. I tell him. Have my pheromones not worn off yet? Your reaction was abnormally strong. I shake my head. Okay, that makes last night's exhibitionism even more embarrassing. Why? Because I acted like a total slut for you. Abnormally so. It was sexy, Evie. Nothing is sexier than knowing how strongly you respond to me. After all, I respond the same way to you. What do you mean? Seraph points to two thin, barely discernible slits on either side of his nose. These are supposed to help me pick up my mate's scent. The scent that draws me to her. That makes her irresistible. I react to your pheromones just as much as you do to mine. What makes you think that? I've never felt this way for a female before. Never been drawn in so instantly. When it comes to you, Evie, I just know. Maybe it's on a biological level and my brain is responding to your scent. But I think it's more than that. I think you and I are meant to be, and that's why we react so strongly to one another. I stare down at Seraph. His words are pure romance, and I do the only thing I can. I lean down and kiss him. My alien husband is gentle, tentative. But soon he opens to me and we fall in sync. I can't believe how natural this feels. He's alien and yet this feels so right. Make love to me. And the pheromones? I shake my head. I just want you, Seraph. I want to know what it's like to be your bride. He still looks hesitant. So I reach between us and grip his hard cock. It's so thick and heavy in my hand. I can't wait to know what it feels like inside me. I push myself up on my knees, 
already wet with desire for this alien. But Seraph looks like he needs more convincing. He needs to know this is real. So I slide the head of his cock between my folds, back and forth, slowly, wetting him with my arousal. Soon his hands are on my hips and I can tell by the tense muscles in his neck, he's fighting this. I want to feel you inside me, I beg, stroking his cock as the tip slides all over my wet lips. Make me your bride. And with that, he draws me down, spearing me with his cock. I suck in a gasp as he stretches me. The sensation is magnificent. I've never felt so full, not my pussy and not my heart. There's more here than simple lust. Seraph is gentle despite his size, despite his strong arms and weighty muscles. With every touch, every lick, with every stroke of his cock, I can feel what this is. We're making love, and it culminates with the two of us coming together. Chapter 14, Evie. We're still catching our breath when there's a knock at the door, though I suppose it can better be described as pounding. The look on Sarah's face tells me there's trouble, and I hurry to throw some clothes on and follow him out. Though I haven't known this alien long, I can tell by his stance that something's off. He isn't holding himself like the friendly farmer. He looks more like a gladiator from the arena. Get off my land, Umbran. If you have something to say, calm me and we'll meet in town. I came for the trophy, Seraph. Oh shit, that's me. My blood runs cold. She stays with me until the final round of the tournament, my husband insists. Which is tonight, Seraph. Now give me the female. Tonight? I have Varanox lined up for another match on Revax Station. So leave. Not without you fulfilling the terms of our agreement. You only get to keep the female if you beat Veronox. You got him with you? Seraph asks. I'll kick his ass on my front porch if you want. I want you to fight him in the arena, you backwater fool. Seraph scowls at the Mackin. Unless you don't want to play by the rules any longer, which is an exciting idea. I'd love to have a free range in the system. A lot of money could be made here. Those words are like a knife in my heart. Purity explained it to me. Seraph's been trying to end the gladiator fighting. More fights mean more crime, more people in danger, particularly in danger of becoming enslaved by the Machin. I can't let that happen to Seraph's solar system, not on account of me. I'll go, I say, stepping forward. No, Seraph growls, holding me back as if to shield me from Umbran's view. I can see a small army of Machin outside, and while I know Seraph can fight, I don't want him to go up against a dozen Machin who are likely armed. I force a smile. All you have to do is win, Seraph, and we'll be home in time to cook dinner together. I don't want you out of my sight. I squeeze his fingers, not trusting myself to speak. There's a lump in my throat. But if I cry right now, all hell's going to break loose. I can see it in Seraph's eyes. With bravery I didn't know I was capable of. I march out toward Umbran, but Seraph pulls me back, delivering a passionate kiss to my lips. I want to scream and cry. I want him to wrap me in his arms and never let go. But this is a man who's putting everything on the line for me, his entire solar system. 
I can spend a few hours with these guys. I whisper against Seraph's lips. It's just until my husband comes to get me. When I pull away, Seraph looks utterly broken. I'm coming for you, he promises, and nothing could make me believe otherwise. Hours pass, and when I'm brought to the arena, it's filled with even more bodies, all of them shouting for blood. They don't care if it belongs to Veronox or my husband. Jesus, I think, as I wring my hands. How is it that I've come to think of Seraph as mine? A whistle catches my attention, and I squint against the bright floodlights. In the distance, I see two human women in a bullpen. It's purity, and the other must be faith. I notice the men with them. Their husbands and mine. Seraph is out there, watching me as the first fights paint the arena red. I'm trembling. I want to run to him. I don't know what this is. Pheromones? Fate? True love? I just know that I need him. It's even stronger than my desire to go home. The realization is mind-blowing. Purity waves to me, a hopeful gesture that calms my soul. But Seraph is like a predator as he awaits his name to be called. He paces the bullpen, looking ready to strike. I try to fast forward tonight in my mind and imagine us cooking in his kitchen, sharing food and making each other laugh. I imagine being in his bed and letting his pheromones take me over, both of us giving in. Then his name is called and I nearly drop to my knees. He's going to win. There's no question in my mind unless there is. Varnox is called. Metal gates swing open and a beast emerges. He's even bigger than the last alien Sarah fought, but he's far more inhuman, with four legs and two arms. His mouth unhinges, and I see teeth spiraling all the way around his lips and disappearing deep into his throat. The alien monster screams. It's such an ear-splitting sound I cover my ears, scared that it might cause permanent damage. My head pounds. Then Seraph bounds into the ring. He's got his twin short swords again, and this Veronox character has no weapons other than himself. He positions his arms like blades and they taper to jagged points. It's all I can do to not dive in and shield Seraph from this. He shouldn't have to fight for me. The extent of his sacrifice weighs heavy. Seraph might die trying to save me. He's putting the safety of his whole solar system at risk. For me. He's a good man. And he's chosen me. I drop to my knees and pray to whoever might be listening. I'm going to choose Seraph. Now and forever. If a ship came here tomorrow offering to take me home, I'd stay with Seraph. I'm going to spend the rest of my life fighting for him, just like he's fighting for me. And I will always be willing to sacrifice as deeply as he has. Just please, God or whoever's out there, let my husband live tonight. Varanok swipes and stabs at my man, but Seraph is a more than worthy opponent. As big as he is, he's agile. He dodges nearly everything Varanok throws at him. Nearly everything. One of those long, jagged arms stabs at Seraph. He's able to avoid it, but Varanok lifts a leg and brings it down hard into Seraph's back. It slices into him like a blade, and I scream, feeling horror like I've never felt. Seraph drops to one knee, and that's it. I vault off the side of the stage and into the arena. 
The crowd loses its shit and Seraph can't hear me calling his name. I don't really have a plan, though. I just know I have to get to him. He isn't going to die alone out here with the crowd applauding his death. Maybe I'll get lucky and we'll die together. But before I can reach him, strong arms wrap around my waist, dragging me back. I think it's Umbran and the Machin, but it isn't. It's Hero. We will rescue you if Seraph dies, he shouts into my ear. I flail. No, we're going to rescue Seraph. I weasel out of the reptilian man's grip and scramble towards Seraph, just in time to see him land a death blow to Varanox. The horrible alien collapses atop my husband, and I worry that they're both going to die in this arena tonight. I sprint to the tangled bodies and Hero meets me there. Together we drag Varanox's corpse back. Seraph is lying in a pool of blood. He coughs and rolls to his side. Holy fuck, he's alive. He pushes to his feet, but with all the blood rushing down his back, I still don't know if he's going to be okay. He comes straight to me, wrapping me in his muscled arms and lifting me off the ground. We hold each other and I sob against his chest. You shouldn't have done this, I'm practically wailing. You shouldn't have fought for me. It's dangerous. I will always fight for you, Evie, he chides. What are you doing in the arena anyway? I pull back to look into his eyes. I don't know. I was going to save you. Seraph laughs. Is that right? I shrug, trying to keep from sobbing. Teamwork? Seraph draws me close and I can hear him smelling my hair. For the rest of our lives, if you'll let me. I choose you, Evie, as my bride. I choose you too. Okay. Let's choose each other at the hospital, because that's more blood than I'm comfortable with. I look over Seraph's shoulder to see purity, faith, and their alien husbands. It's a hodgepodge of humans and aliens, but it's undeniably like a family. And that's more than I could ever ask for. I may have been stolen from Earth, but with Seraph in my arms and the both of us surrounded by friends, I believe in fate now more than ever. This is exactly where I'm meant to be. What Seraph and I have on Epoch is more than just preservation. It's our happily ever after. This has been Fighting for His Bride by Tracy Lauren. Read for you by Lee Allison. Hey, we're back, lady listeners. I just want to tell you real quick, my friend just sent me a picture and um, her husband is, um, he's a chef and he gave her a cup that says, I'm not a chef, but boy, are these titties sweaty today. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know why she just sent me a pic. She said, my husband got this for me. It says, I'm not a chef, but boy, are these titties sweaty today. I'm sorry. That's I was funny. just, I was like laughing to myself during the break. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first, if you want to read some, some more, uh, some more alien um, stories from Tracy Lauren, go pick up Alien Instinct on uh, Kindle Unlimited. It's the first one in the Alien series. And here's the blurb. Rennick is an honor bound male whose very existence in life is tarnished by the sins of his father. 
When he and his crew stumble upon a trafficking ring, his immediate instinct is to rescue the females. Finding himself drawn to one of them, he sets into motion a dangerous course of events, propelling him toward his destiny. Can Rennick be the leader his people need him to be as the secrets of his of the past are uncovered? Kate spent years muddling through life, never quite finding a place for herself. When she wakes in an alien cargo hold, everything surprisingly becomes a lot easier, with the exception of the bounty hunters and dirty space cops pursuing her. <laughs> dirty space cops sounds like something I want to I know, pursue. I like it. Yeah. Kate's newfound happiness has a lot to do with her sexy alien boyfriend, but she doesn't know how to react when he suddenly starts calling her his mate. Will Kate be able to move beyond the hangups of her past? Can she give herself uh, completely to Rennick as she embarks on the adventures of a lifetime in Alien Instinct? I think so. I think so. Let's find <laughs> out. <laughs> Let's find Let's out. Let's bring her out. Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, that's it for us today. Next week on the podcast, we Oh, have... before I forget, we have a book out today. Oh, God. No, that's okay. I forgot um, until I just looked at the calendar. So um, if you guys uh, read Thick and you love it, we came up with it on the podcast. Um, We have a follow-up to it. We have two books that are coming in this month, September. Um, Today, the next book, Stuffed, is released. And then um, the third book, Filled. So that'll be out on the 18th. So we have one today and then again on the 18th. And they all go with Thick. So if you like um, Bull and teeny from the book thick they're going to be in both of those so they make a little cameo so be sure and check it out awesome you should um okay and we'll be back on uh, we'll be back on monday with qb tyler so oh, make sure yes i'm sorry she's the best she's so sweet yeah yeah all right leah tell them what to do fuck your day up make today your bitch don't be a dick bye, bye. read me romance read read me romance read me romance read read me romance you could take a look in a book that's fine or you could sit back